Welcome to Baseball Biz. I'm Mark Corbett, your host, and with me is none other than Mr. Brandon Noway, also known as at Sports Blitz Pod on Twitter. And that's where you can find him when he's not residing here in your ear. So <laughs> glad to have you here today. Yeah, on Baseball Biz. We were having some fun earlier this week, Brandon and I. We did the uh, Raise Up edition. That was kind of fun. Yeah, it was. They're always fun to do. A little bit of a, a guilty pleasure pleasure show, as they say. <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely guilty pleasure. We were talking about Tampa Bay, and it's it's been interesting because as as fans of the Tampa Bay race, we sometimes, you know, we cringe sometimes. Some of that is just how the team's playing. Some of it's the decisions that are being made. And I think we also incur, hmm, we incur some pain sometimes when owners speak, not just Stu, but other ones as well. Stu, when he he spoke to us and told us about everybody moving to Montreal or at least a split team, it didn't come across real well. But by uh, by comparison, those remarks were benign <laughs> compared to what some of these. Yeah, really think about it, Brandon. I mean, who you brought this to my attention the other day? The rest of the world knows, knows about it too, and that's Mister Mather. Things don't matter or not, Mr. Uh, with the who was with the uh, Seattle Mariners. Anyway, this crazy, uh, no, I mean, this gentleman, this executive of the Seattle Mariners, he was speaking at the Bellevue Breakfast R- Rotary Club. By the way, I've been to Bellevue and it's a wonderful place. Rotary Clubs, fantastic organizations. They do a lot for uh, Civic and the community. So, you know, it's good things would happen there. But they invited him to come and speak, and there was a QA. And a lot of times, some people don't necessarily know when to shut the f- up. And, <laughs> well, you know, it's it's just how it is. And they go on and they wind up saying things they later regret. Or sometimes they don't regret it. And Manners wound up having to regret it rather seriously. Uh, Brandon, what were some of the things that you brought to my attention that he said at this Rotary meeting? I first off want to lead off with what the mission statement of a Rotary Club is, which is kind of ironic considering the circumstances, which is to, quote, provide service to others, promote integrity, advance world understanding, goodwill, and peace through our fellowship of business, professional, and community leaders. So it sounds like a a pretty good organization to get behind. Yeah, I mean, they may have that vision, but sometimes the the leaders are not necessarily going to... uh face up to what those that mission statement is. Yeah, and then they brought in a certain Kevin Mather into their Zoom call, I believe. I'm not sure if they use Zoom, but I'm sure it was virtual. And he said some stuff that was not just stupid, but it also, it really confirmed what we all knew about, you know, service time. And he just basically came out and said that they're doing it, but we'll get to that eventually. Okay. He came out and said, we'll lead off with this, the industry lost $2.9 billion last year. And before any of you make faces, no, nobody cares that rich owners lost money. But we lost $2.9 billion last year. And we have taken the position that there are 180 free agents still out there on February 5th, unsigned. And sooner or later, these players are going to turn their hat over and come with hat in hand looking for a contract. Such sympathy. I'm so sorry about the 2.9 billion. Oh my gosh! But but you know how how do you think about your players? That that's, jeez, but Nitley, come with your hat in hand. He truly said that. 
Yeah, and I want to give a shout out. I should have let off with this, but this comes from a New York Times article where I got most of these quotes and, of course, responses. And they, his first quote warranted a response from the players union. Ooh. And they said the club's or excuse me. They said, quote, the club's video presentation is a highly disturbing yet critically important window into how players are genuinely viewed by management, not just because of what was said, but also because it represents an unfiltered look into club thinking. It is often offensive, and it is not surprising that fans and others around the game are offended as well. Players remain committed to confronting these issues at the bargaining table and elsewhere. Well, that's very telling, and I like that, the, the unfiltered look into club thinking. I think that's very appropriate because that's what it does. I mean, it, again, you would think that there are no filters. You would think whatever ideas they hold, maybe how reprehensible they may be, that somebody at that type of executive level, Brandon, would, would put the brakes on and say, eh, you know, I'll find a better way to, to say this. But he didn't do that. What what's some of the other things he did? What what's something else he said during that interview? Well, this is really this next part is really where he, you know, stuck his foot in his mouth and where I think it really just put him over the edge and put him in the situation that he is in today. And he was talking about his own players. So nobody was safe from his wrath, as they say. Mm. And he offered many compliments. But he talked about the, arguably their best player, which is third baseman Kyle Seeger, and he said that he was, quote, probably overpaid and would probably not be back next season. He also called left-handed starter, p- starting pitcher Marco Gonzalez very boring. Oh, and the outfield, <laughs> And the outfield prospect Julio Rodriguez, who was from the Dominican Republic, quote, is loud. His English is not tremendous, end quote. And he, and Rodriguez, who is only 20, and from this, he speaks English very well responded on Twitter with the great meme from The Last Dance with Michael Jordan, where he put his face on Jordan's face with the caption, and I took that personally. <laughs> well, more power to him. Terrible that he that Mather said that, but Rodriguez, I, I love his his reply to that. Uh, it's, it's ugly. And Rodriguez is the only one who he's upset with about his English, but he also mocked former pitcher Hisashi Iwakuma's English, who is from Japan, and he now works with the team. And he talked about him saying, quote, I'm tired of paying his interpreter. When he was a player, we'd pay Iwakuma X, but we'd also have to pay 75 grand a year to pay an interpreter with him. His English suddenly got better. His English got better when we told him that. Well, it sounds like Mather, he he wants to insult all ethnics if he can. To close out with... What we already knew, and he basically confirms it. He is talking about service time. Let's start out with Chairman John Stanton. He didn't defend Mather's comments, and he said that player moves were up to Jerry Depoto, the general manager of the Mariners, and not Mather. Although it is with the CEO, we're pretty sure that he does have some influence behind those decisions. And... He revealed that the team had a long-term contract offered to an outfield prospect, Jared Kelnick, and he said that Kelnick was bothered when Baseball America ranked him as the major's fourth best prospect, which is a spot behind Rodriguez, who we mentioned earlier. And he said, quote, he thinks after six years he'll be such a star player that the seventh, eighth, ninth year options will be undervalued. 
he might be right. And he was he offered better views to first baseman Evan White, who he signed a long-term deal, which the union did not want him to do. Mather offered better views for first base prospect Evan White, who did sign a long-term deal with the union objecting to that and told telling him not to. And he was promoted to opening day last July with Kelnick Mather saying that he wanted him to get more at-bats at Class AAA for a month, which would effectively delay his service clock long enough to give the team an extra year of control before his free agency. He also said that pitcher Logan Gilbert, who is, quote, a top-of-the-rotation pitcher, while adding, you won't see him on April 1st, but by mid-April, and while the Mariners had several top prospects at their alternate training sites last season, Mather said that he had a better chance of being called up to the majors than they did. And he added, There was no chance you were going to see these young players at T-Mobile Park. We weren't going to put them on the 40-man roster. We weren't going to start the service time clock. Oh, wait a minute, Brandon. You're saying he said we weren't going to start the service time clock? Yeah, he just he just came out and said it. <sighs> not not going to hide it or beat around the bush. He just said, yeah, we don't want to start the service time clock. You know, we talked about this before. I... It is he being transparent and and saying things like that's insane. I mean, he's bound to got some bad feedback from that. What, what what happened? What else happened after he said some stupid stuff like that? Well, Anthony Rizzo responded. Who, of course, he had that big. I believe he had a lawsuit over service time a couple of years ago, and he was interviewed about it, and he answered, "Quote: Being in this game, you know what he said is true. About ninety nine percent, it happens. It's just not out there, and it's not said." There's stories written on it, but there are teams that manipulate service time. There's teams that will do it all the time. Him coming out and saying that, it's pretty annoying and frustrating for us as players, but it's not like we don't know anything that he said. It's just him saying that. Good. I'm happy. It's out in the public now, and people are seeing that's the way it is. That's the way it is. Jeez. <laughs> well, you, you know, you were talking to earlier before we got on about uh, how this impacts a lot what's coming up with, with baseball and negotiations between the, the league and the players association. What we've got, we've got a contract coming up soon, don't we? Yeah, I think it's after the end of this season. There's a the CBA is up, and I don't know about you, but we might want to enjoy baseball while we have it right now because we may not have it next year. If we do, it'll be a short season, if at all, because it's it's going to get nasty. I hope that's not the case, but I know you had what also this last quote I saw in here. They said, uh, Mather said, quote, there is a high level of distrust between the union and the management currently, and I'm very worried about what's coming in the future, unquote. If somebody who is in the executive management of the Mariners organization says something like this, it's scaring 11 daylights out of me. Yeah, and at least he said one thing that's true. Yeah, that's it. I mean, well, what what were the repercussions of this? I mean, you know, he he's criticizing players. Uh, he's looking at more than one ethnic to see if he can say something negative about how they speak and having interpreters there and paying for that. You know, he's he's gone on with, with all these other remarks and talking about how he's going to maneuver players with service time. What was there any kind of fallout from this? Yeah, everybody was really upset about it, and rightfully so, because he took aim at everybody, and he just let loose, it seemed like. And, you know, he put out an apology, and then Monday came out that he was stepping down as CEO. 
Yeah, I noticed those two things didn't come uh, together. They actually had him give the apology before he resigned. And then, what I get, like I said, on Monday he resigned. So no big surprise there. You and I have talked about this before, again and again and again, about these type of philosophies, just because you fire that guy today, those things were already probably ingrained you know, in, at a management level, at an executive level within an organization. And that's not speaking to particulars at the mayors, but we see that all, all across the way. And you, you get an apology, you know, you get a resignation, but what happened with philosophy and pol- policy? Did, did things change from the top down after that? I didn't see anything that changed, and I don't know if it was just him or if it's just a management philosophy, but it's really dangerous to say we're doing all this and we don't like guys paying for their interpreters because, you know, they may not be comfortable speaking the English language because most of these guys, they come here when they're really young, don't know English at all, and they're by themselves, which is pretty scary and learning a new language isn't easy because i told you earlier i took three years of spanish in high school i still can't speak it and really wouldn't you want to make them as comfortable as you can not just for a respect thing but also you're putting all this money into them try to do the best you can so that they're comfortable so they can do the best they can both on and off the field well that's it even if you just look at from a a code monetary position, not even thinking about uh, the people themselves, you would think that they wouldn't be doing that. But it is interesting. I know that, uh, I think you said this earlier, about the Mariners chairman, John Stanton, saying what? The decisions decisions concerning when players are called up are made by Jerry and the baseball team that he leads. Frankly, they were not decisions that are made by Kevin. And he was Kevin Kevin Mather. So whether or not... How that translates down to the GM and the manager in the field, I don't know. But they sound like they're, uh, they want to take a positive approach to this. You, you and I, again, we, we look at some of these things and I look back at the Astros because everybody's favorite team. With everything with the banging of the trash cans and all the uproar about you know, stealing the World Series, it, once all that came out, the owner had to have some kind of press conference. And you know, he was a bit repentant. He came out and said, quote, I, this is Jim Crane, the owner of uh, the Astros. Quote, I want to say again how sorry our team is for what happened. I want to also repeat, this will never happen again on my watch. And uh, we're, we're apologizing because we broke the rules. But then, then later he says, our opinion is this didn't impact the game. We had a good team. We won the World Series, and we'll leave it at that. I'm sorry, it doesn't sound very repentant when you go ahead and come back with something like that type of remark that, you know, it really didn't make a difference anyway. And I don't think you need to be a PR major to really know that maybe the best route to go there in a press conference like that is, you know, the humility route. Because they don't sound sorry. They never, they didn't sound sorry at all throughout the whole thing. It sounded like more they were just going out there trying to make it seem like they were, but you could tell they they really weren't. It's unfortunate. While some of these things are offensive, and especially when you look at Mather and he's talking about people of different ethnic than himself, you know, it, it kind of crosses the line. It isn't just insensitive. It's, it borders on racism. 
I mean, or you could just flat out say it is racism. And as open as he is, it's amazing when we look back historically, say somebody like Mark Schott, you know, who's the, was the owner of the Cincinnati Reds. Jeez, couldn't keep her mouth shut either. Uh, and much to the offense of a lot of other people, and also not just that, but to herself and the team. You know, I, I, you want to bring scandal. Here's some of the things. I mean, she was she would use the N word, you know, when she'd refer to people, and she would she was very derogatory. With some of these things, so much so that she was actually suspended from managing her team, and later I think she was kind of forced out of being an owner completely. She was crazy. I mean, I truly believe some of these people, if, if you're you're crazy enough to say that stuff, maybe somebody needs to be taking a check on you for how your uh, mental health is because I can't believe a normal person would say some of these things. And you could say, well, maybe she doesn't have respect for a game. She enjoyed the game so much so that she was critical when a, a umpire had to walk off of the uh, field I think he was having a heart attack or something. It's like, well, what's going on? This game needs to go. And the ultimate disrespect is her little dog, Shotzi, who walked all around with her. And and reports were that uh, little Shotzi go out there and defecate on the field. Oh, Lord. Yeah. So is that a metaphor? Is that imagery that kind of goes with the the overall philosophy of of March Shot at that point as an owner? I mean, I want to say this, but for all of the people out there to say like these owners are they're smart people, they're they're great business people. For for saying all that stuff, these people are idiots. You have no like awareness almost. You know, with Marge shot out there saying the N words and a dude having a heart attack and be like, well, what's wrong with him? Why can't he call balls and strikes? Like doing stuff like that. I mean, come on. There's like no awareness at all. Yeah, I, I think that seemed like they're completely detached. I guess she, she just didn't get it, man. She just didn't connect. And and that's sad. And, but you look at it at another example that could have gone nasty. And the Mets, Steve Cohen, he is a hedge fund manager. And there was some real questionable activities about how he did with the whole Robin Hood and Melvin Group and and uh, it just wound up being people made some criticisms and it may or may not have been valid. But then they went ahead on Twitter and they start trying to have a conversation attacking him and his family. And Steve Cohen, instead of getting into a war with these people, he, he just he shut down his Twitter account. Bam, I'm done. I'm done. I've enjoyed this, but I'm not going to get involved. I'm not going to get tied up with this. So he just walked away. That I don't know that if I'd say that's the ideal situation, but it certainly was smarter than getting into a war of wards with some of these people. I mean, you're not going to win a Twitter argument with the masses. And it's actually a really smart move for him to walk away, like I said, because it shows awareness. You're not going to win that war. So the best thing is just to walk away from it, even though from everything I've seen, and what you said, people were crossing the line, bringing his family into it. Exactly. Well, I mean, you look back, and, and again, as we started out with that, with looking at Seattle and the Mariners, they did the right thing as, as far as 
helping Mather decide to resign. It's 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 ugly. It, it gets something like that, but you know it. There's actually some people out there instead of resigning who are actually looking at retiring this year. And let's see, do you have anything on on that? I hear there's some players we might recognize. Yeah, the, a big big name, Tim Tebow. Of course, he's retiring. That really grabbed the headlines. <laughs> and also, there are the headlines of Albert Pujols possibly retiring. Yeah, but no, I want to get back to the big story there. So he's leaving the Mets, Tebow? <laughs> yeah, good old Timmy Tebow. He's deciding to call it quits. He didn't quite make the majors, but he made it to training camp. But, you know, even though he came up short, he still tried. Yeah, and that's a lot. I'm not I'm not going to pick on him too much. But we did not decide to have a special edition and break in with this story. But it is worth noting because to see any player we've talked about before crossing over, and uh, doing more than one sport, I respect that. And to whatever level they're able to do it both. So uh, tell us more about uh, Mr. Albert here. Yeah, Pujols' wife came out, or she didn't really come out and say it, but on Instagram she made some statements that a lot of people looked at and they're like, man, is he going to retire after this year? And reading them, that sounds like what she was saying. And Pujols, who's played in the league, this will be his 21st year. He's played in the league forever, and it's been almost 10 years since he left St. Louis, which honestly, it seemed like just yesterday he was there. But he spent a lot of time with the Angels, and I don't know about you, but I think he should be a unanimous choice for the Hall of Fame. I mean, looking at his career, he's over 3,000 hits, 662 homers, a two ninety nine batting average, and 2,100 RBIs. I mean, this guy should be a Hall of Famer, no doubt. I think he should be first ballot. Oh, absolutely. I mean, like Jeter was almost 100%. I think that Pujols definitely should be. And did you say, what, he he hit the uh, 3,000 mark on hits for his career? Yeah, he has 3,236. Good gravy. Uh, I mean, the man has achieved this. You rarely see a player stay with any team more than a few years these days. And he was with two teams where he spent – 11 years in the National League and then nine in the American League. So St. Louis Cardinals had had a great run with him there and then uh, what the last nine years with the American League and, and right now he still has one more year on this contract. So he he's, looks like he hasn't made a decision yet. Like you were saying, his wife came back out, Deidre, and said she was just celebrating his life and, and, and who knows what's what's to come. I mean, all that he's accomplished over his career, I mean, a 10-time All-Star, three-time MVP, two gold gloves, batting titles, three-time Player of the Year, Rookie of the Year, two World Series, six-time Silver Slugger, and an NLCS MVP. I mean, that'd be enough right there just to call it quits with all he's accomplished, but I guess maybe after last year, you don't really want to call it quits after a year like that, but maybe you want to go out as normal as you possibly can. Well, I tell you what, he's he's respected by all, you know. He's on a team that, that has Mike Trout on as well, people that, that are respected on there. But even though um, the, the word of retirement has been kind of bounced back and forth because that contract will expire, he hasn't said, yes, I'm going to do that. But his coach, or rather his manager, Joe Madden, has indicated that, you know, maybe somebody else can uh, – can be in that position as well. Let's face it, Brandon. 
if you've got somebody whose contract's going to uh, be coming up and you've got somebody you need to bring up, it's it's a good time to be mixing up who's there on first. Yeah, it is. And that's unfortunately part of the business, even though you got a, a Hall of Famer over there at first. It's unfortunately part of the business where he's expensive. He's really hasn't performed up to that contract with all the expectations. It probably is just time to bring up the guy with the, the future instead of the guy with it's on the 18th hole, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know they, like I said, uh, last year, even I think uh, looking at Madden played, uh, played Jared Walsh a little bit there. You know, he wasn't, in other words, Pujols wasn't there hundred percent. Not that he is all the time. I know. I mean, anybody at that age, after that many years in ball is not going to be doing as strong as he did you know, 10 years ago or five years ago, but he's still very strong. And maybe they'll move him a little bit more to DH because he's still a, a great batter. But they also have uh, Otani. And I guess Otani uh, could be doing some of that also. Yeah, and like you said earlier, the respect thing with him. I got to see him play a couple years ago when the Angels were in town. And I thought it was so cool to see him and Trout, even Otani out there. And it's cool to get to see Hall of Famers play like in person. Oh, yeah. Because I've seen like, Pujols. Uh, Trout play, Nelson Cruz, Prince Fielder, and that's just on baseball and all the other sports seeing Hall of Famers play. It's it's something really cool that to look back at one day and say, hey, I got to see that guy play in person. Well, just think, you could be saying that oh, for the last maybe 11 years or 10 years here in Tampa, but that didn't happen. That was, that's, that was a bit of ugliness. I mean, I read that uh, book a while back, and it's called The Extra 2%. I was trying to do some homework on what owners and managers and their strategy. And the book's actually talking about how some guys from Wall Street came in and, you know, tried to run a, a ball team. And they were just looking for this extra 2% to make the profit, which I won't go into that. We may cover that book another time. But what I did discover reading that is that we did, the Rays had an opportunity to get Albert Pujols in here. And... They had a scout who saw his talent and was very avid about bringing him there. And if you read the book, you'll see how, I mean, he, he talked with the, you know, young Albert Pujols and, and was telling me, you know, he, he almost assured him he was going to be in this because this young man was so fantastic, but um, (laughs) that didn't happen. That didn't happen at all. And what did happen Let's see, Fernando Arango, who was the gentleman who was the scout, um, came back, told the Rays about it, and then they sent somebody out as a cross-checker. And he went out there and he looked at uh, Pujols and said, nope, 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 don't see it. He says, no, I I don't see it there. I can't work with this guy. We don't need him. (laughs) You talk about a mistake. Yeah, I, I can only wonder what happened to that cross-checker or to that. It's decisions like that, which is why the Rays were bottom feeders for 10 years. And just think how different the baseball landscape could be, not just here in Tampa, but in the whole league if Pujols was taken by the, the at the time, Devil Rays instead of the Cardinals. That would have been awesome. I'd, like you said, there's, that would definitely have changed and altered the entire landscape. But didn't happen. Didn't happen. So 
you know, and we talk about uh, young people coming up like Mr. Walsh there. Well, looking beyond that and looking at some other young people that have come into the game, it can be difficult, you know. We're talking about language sometimes being a barrier and how much some teams work with players and others don't. And these players, they have needs. You know, they, they have to cover certain things with travel, et cetera. And mentioned in the past how Brendan McKay had like a $7 million bonus he signed on, signed on with. So he had something to give him some legs when he got started. But other ones, not so much. And what was it, looking back in 2016, Francisco, let's see, Francisco Mier, uh, recently with the Rays, he had signed an agreement with a company called BLA, Big League Advance. What are, what are some of your insights on this? And, and how did they, I mean, there's more than just Mia. There's Mia. There's also Tatis with us as well. Yeah, and Bleacher Reports, Adam Wells wrote an article about it, and he did a lot from Ken Rosenthal as well. And what Big League Advance is, they're a company that offers a select few minor leaguers upfront payments and in exchange for those payments, you have to pay them a percentage of your future earnings in major league baseball. And Jared Diamond of wall street journal says that Tatis owes an estimated $27.2 million to BLA as a part of his agreement. BLA's president is Michael Schwimmer, who is a former pitcher in the Phillies farm system who made it as high as triple a and he told Ken Rosenthal in 2018 that the company's mission isn't that much dissimilar to the stock market, but if the players don't make it to the big leagues, they don't have to worry about owing anything back. It's only if you make the big leagues to where you have to owe money to them. And he said, quote, I'll tell every investor, if you invest in the stock market and you lose, you're losing money on Apple stock or whatever. If you invest in big league advance and lose, you have changed someone's life. So it seems like, you know, it's it has good intentions behind it. You know, minor leaguers don't make a lot of money. And they're thinking, hey, we'll give you this money. And for an exchange, you make it to the big leagues and make it big. You give us a certain percentage of it back. It seems like a win-win to me. Well, at the time, he was a prospect for the Indians, which is catcher Francisco Mejia, who was with the Padres and now with the Rays. He filed a lawsuit against BLA in February of 2018, citing the unconscionable tactics used to get him to accept a $360,000 payment in exchange for 10% of his future earnings. And looking those tactics up, that included sending collection agents to his house in the Dominican Republic and trying to get him to give up more money than they already agreed to. Eventually, that lawsuit was dropped, and he said, quote, I'm happy with my agreement with Big League Advance and doesn't believe the Big League Advance has ever deceived me. And Tatis spoke with Rosenthal in the 2018 article about his deal with it, and he said, quote, If I'm a successful player and make big money, I'm not going to care about giving that money away. That will be nothing if I make all that big money. So he could, when, when did he say that? <laughs> that was in 2018. Okay. Before he was even in the majors. I'm going to let you go on with your story, but all I can think of is if the news that young man's had in the last week, if he still feels that way, go ahead. And he kind of seems like the mindset as well, where, hey, it'll help me now. I'm not making really anything in the minors. And if I reach my goal of making the majors and I make it big, 
then losing a, maybe 10% of my earnings is really not such a big deal in the long run. It seems like a win-win on the outside, but some stuff does seem a little shady, of course, with what Mejia said in his lawsuit. And also as well, the Players Association, they don't really approve it. They don't endorse BLA, and they warn warned uh, future prospects about them. And they also were noted by Rosenthal as saying that Major League Baseball told Baseball America in 2017 that some of BLA's representatives were attempting to recruit players using media credentials that they received from Baseball America. So even though it does seem like they're doing some good, it does seem like they're doing a little bit of shady stuff on the side. Well, here's the thing. I know you and I both feel like it's a, it's a little little sticky, a little sketchy, if you will. And that's just, that's part of it. I don't know. I, I personally, I have mixed feelings about this. When I look at BLA isn't the whole thing. There's, there's also Pando, which is an organization that works with baseball players who pull their money together. And instead of saying, okay, we as an organization, we're going to work with this individual player and we're going to give you a hundred thousand dollars. However, if you make it big, we want 10%. Now, the difference is with Pando, and while there's still an organization involved, what it is is you get a group of players while they're in the minor leagues, while they're still formative, and they come together and they have an agreement saying, okay, if and when we make it big, we're going to split and share that with everybody. I'm going to go ahead. I don't have the number. Say we're going to give 5% back to everybody. So if somebody gets a $100 million contract, you know, the guys who maybe didn't get out of the minor leagues may actually benefit out of this. Now, obviously, if you think you're going to be a top talent, you, you know, you may not do this. But we've seen time and time again, somebody who's been very, you know, very far out there in the draft, you know, not a first pick by stretch imagination, has come up through the system and benefit from it. So Pando with the baseball pulling, that's, that's one thing that's going on. Uh, another thing I was seeing is years ago, a professional golfer I knew, he went on the tour and he paid for everything. He went, he paid for his hotel, you know, he paid for travel, he paid for fees, he took care of all these expenses because he wanted to control his career. Now, with a lot of golfers, the way it was then is that quite often they would have the support of maybe a, a country club or a group of business people, you know, who knew this young person, this young golfer. And they would sponsor them. So they would be putting in money covering those type of expenses. And then they would get something back on the winnings that that young player would do or what they would achieve rather than. So it was, you know, it was just a little bit back and forth. Some of it may have been very actually charitable trying to help somebody up, but quite often there was some, usually some sort of financial reward back for those who were investing in that young talent. Yeah, it's interesting learning about all of this because, you know, it seems like they're genuinely doing something good, but it also seems like something that's like, it's too good to be true. Like, you get all this money now, and if you don't make it, then you don't have to pay anything back. I mean, that sounds that sounds like the classic, don't take it if it's too good to be true. That's what it seems like. Yeah, is. yeah. And it's, it's, uh, it's probably beneficial for some players. But I think it's good that the union spoke out about it and what, how they felt about it. Because I think sometimes it's a, 
I mean, a manipulation of these young players too. And, uh, you know, they're making decisions when they're 18 years old that are going to follow them through an entire career. We'll see. But you were talking about good, too good to be true. Here's a bit of news. You sent this to me earlier because I've been calling and calling and calling all the Grapefruit League teams here in town trying to find out about tickets. And lo and behold, who is it? You saw something from Tampa Bay times today that there will be spring training tickets available to the fans. But the Rays, they're having tickets out there for spring training. I'm not sure about all the other teams. This was just the first that I saw. And there aren't going to be season tickets for this year, but they will have single game tickets going on sale this Friday at 10 a.m., which is February 26th. Last year's spring training season ticket holders will get an opportunity to purchase single game tickets for 2021 at a 10% discount through an exclusive pre-sale. So kind of getting a little bit of a give back for what happened last year. Well, that's good. The people who invested and didn't get their money back last year, it's good that they give them some kind of extra little bump. I'm glad to hear that. Well, you know, with that happening and the season beginning here, Charlie, one thing I don't know about, and we're going to find out for a future episode, is what's happening with Joe West, the umpire, the, what's his nickname? Oh, Country Joe West. Country Joe West. Yeah, you know, that if you if you haven't, guys, listening to the show here, if you haven't, if you don't know who Joe West is, go ahead and put umpire Joe West into YouTube and have a good laugh. This man is amazing. And to the consternation of many teams and managers, mind you, but he, he's rather interesting umpire and rather vivid in his uh, explanations of what, uh, when he's throwing somebody out. But the, the thing of it is he was coming up short in 2019 of uh, beating whoever, uh, there was one other person ahead of him as far as, the number of games that had been officiated and umpired. And 2020, he uh, he was looking to to go beyond that gentleman's record. But lo and behold, COVID killed that whole thing. So I'm curious to see if Joe West comes back. Not a major item, but one that's of my own personal interest, and we'll see what happens in the next few weeks. Yeah, we were talking about Pujols and Tebow retiring. I think country Joe West is somebody who probably should have retired of Quite a few years ago, because he's not exactly on his game, if you know what I mean. Uh, no, 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 he's not. <laughs> but it's all about having some fun with the game. And one other thing I want to kind of wrap up here with, Brandon, is it has been Black History Month here in February, it's just as it is with each year. And we've talked about some different things on different shows throughout the month. But I wanted to share a little bit of my opinion or I want to share a little bit of my thoughts about Black History Month and I look at it it's more than just looking back to celebrate those who had had to claw their way through some racist attitudes to to distinguish themselves you know as exceptional and worthy of respect and attention you know we can look at the historic oppression and and literal enslavement and say oh we've evolved beyond such attitudes and behavior we should be proud of ourselves for recognizing others you know, but in truth, these are not the realities. There are still goals that should be actively pursued and not just mentioned for 28 days in February. We should subscribe to a philosophy of what have you done today to make things better. You know, we should look at it for ourselves, others, and the institutions around us. But even that falls way short of what we should do as a people in a country. 
Today, people are still being disrespected, pushed down, and not given a hand up for an equal standing. What we think, say, and do can either build bridges or burn them. Words are important. We need to build an infrastructure of caring and humanity. We must recognize racism when we see it, abuse and insensitivity, and call it out. Also, we should recognize those who have truly walked out of their ignorance and seek reconciliation through repentance. Not just a simple apology, you know, something drafted by a lawyer for a press release. What we say and do does matter. I would ask this of myself and, and everyone to find our, a positive move that we can take toward others and, and act on it today and, and every day after that. I mean, thinking about Black History Month, it's, it's important, you know, just for thinking of the diversity. We've talked about some situations today where people have been marginalized, where they've been treated as, as less than equal. And I think it's time to take a pause and, and remember how we as individuals can help those around us. Yeah, and like you were saying earlier, even though we have you know, made strides towards equality, we still have a really long way to go. And I don't know if we'll see it in a few years or even my lifetime, if we'll see, you know, true equality, but, you know, we're slowly getting there. I'd like it to be quicker, but, you know, it's it's gotten better. And you just do the old thing that they taught you in kindergarten is pretty much treat others the way you want to be treated. It's that simple, honestly. I couldn't agree with you more, Brandon. And, and it's that's what it's all about is treating people as you would like to be treated. And some would say treat people as they would like to be treated too. So it's it's not going to necessarily be reality tomorrow. But I think we all need to strive for it. We all need to see what we can do to make it better. And I will now step down from my soapbox. But I think it was worth saying and important for for people who, who love baseball and people who <laughs> love people are <laughs> and and are looking to help somebody out. So. I want to thank you all for listening with us here today. Brandon, do you have any other parting words? Uh, baseball is here and less than a month, actually about a month away from real baseball coming back. Oh, boy. I can't wait. Can't wait. Can't wait. So it'll be here soon. And, you know, go ahead, get your shoes out, get your suntan lotion. So you go out to the field. If you can get out to spring training, enjoy it. I know I'm going to try to. And we'll see what happens. But it's been another exciting week with you guys here on Baseball Biz. And we'll wrap up reminding you that you can find Brandon at Sports Blitz Pod, finding me, Mark, at The Baseball Biz. And also you can find this fine podcast where you are at this moment, but also on iHeartRadio, Podcast.Google, iTunes, Apple, Audible. Oh, my gosh, you name it. We're out there. (laughs) Are you ready, Brandon? I'm ready. All right. Well, everybody, thanks again for joining us here today on Baseball Biz. And we look forward to talking with you again real soon. Special thanks to X-Tech RUX for the music rocking forward. <laughs>